Oh, Lord, may we sing hallelujah. Yes, Lord, may we sing hallelujah forever and ever. Christ, our hope in life and death. Lord, make us like that early church that we witness at Pentecost, who was moved by the Holy Spirit and was ministered by your holy word. So that your church became alive. That your church was born. And that we see them responding with, with such worship. Singing hallelujah forever and ever. Filled with gladness and generosity. Praising God. So Lord, we pray that you will open to us your word We pray, Lord, that your spirit will move our hearts, that our hearts will burn within us, just like those travelers on the road to Emmaus. Help me, O Lord, to communicate clearly and truthfully and to do so worshipfully. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts today be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, what a glorious day it is. Our lectionary gives us such powerful and moving passages. Where we see the revelation of Christ in such a special way in Luke chapter 24. Jesus is traveling with these travelers on the road to Emmaus, but they didn't recognize him. He's opening up the scriptures. They don't even notice who he is. But then he breaks bread with them and their eyes are opened. They say, was not our heart strangely, did not our heart strangely burn within us when he opened up the scriptures? And we see the early church, the very birthday of the church in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit moves upon them, cuts them to the heart. So that they ask this question, what must we do? And then we see in Psalm, Psalm 116, we find the psalmist saying, what must I give unto the Lord? What must I do? And he concludes with, I will make my vows in the presence of the people. I will pay my vows unto the Lord in the sight of all his people. We see this joining together heaven and earth. We see this celebration, this unity, this common life. It is strange. It's unlike this world for which we live in. We are divided and separated and alone and isolated. What we witness in these scriptures, in these passages, is a blessed union. It's the same thing that we witness at the Lord's table. It's the very union of Christ and his people. And so there's a single question that I think every church ought to ask 
regardless of what kind of church it is, whether it be a large or a little church or a growing or a dwindling church or a healthy or a hurting church, there's a single question that every church ought to ask. And this is the question that was asked at Pentecost to the apostles after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's the question that was asked at Pentecost after Peter preached his glorious sermon. This is the question that was evoked after they had been cut to the heart, as we read in verse 37. It's the question of, what shall we do? What shall we do? What must we do? What are our priorities? If we are to be the living church, then we certainly must know what we are to do. It's not a question that simply flows from curiosity. It's not a question that is simply drawn upon intuition. No, this is the result of being moved by the Holy Spirit. This is the result of being ministered by God's holy word. That's what we find on the day of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit moved upon them and the word of God ministered to their hearts. Yes, they were cut to the heart, we are told. So that they said, what must we do? You see, Acts chapter 2 shows us what we must be. It shows us what we must do. We're given a portrait of what the living church looks like. So what must we be? We must be moved of the Holy Spirit. We must be ministered by God's holy word. You see, the Holy Spirit and the word are not divided. They're different sides of the same coin. And that's what we see at Pentecost. The very birthday of the church is where we find the Holy Spirit and the Word of God going forth and radically changing their situation. Yes, we read that they were cut to the heart in verse 37. And that all came upon every soul in verse 43. Why? Because they were not simply born of water. But they were born of the Holy Spirit, too. Yes, there is spirit and truth. And here we find the church worshiping at the very start of its existence in spirit and in truth. This is glorious. Heaven and earth are joined together. That is the theme for which we find throughout the pages of our scriptures this morning. It's about that blessed union. Heaven and earth being joined together, the glory of God was revealed. Here we find the antithesis of the Tower of Babel. Instead of judgment, God is showing mercy. Instead of division, God is making one. He separates, but not unto confusion. No, He separates so that they have all things in common. He unites. He joins together. The Spirit of God is reversing the curse, you see. 
The Spirit of God is revealing how He will bring about redemption, and He does it by moving our hearts through His Holy Spirit and nourishing and ministering us through the Holy Word. Is this not what Jesus does traveling with those travelers on the road to Emmaus? Does He not open up the Word and speak of the glorious truths that God, through His Holy Spirit, has revealed to us? Notice how all came upon not just some of the souls, but every soul. You see, the mystical body of Christ is not deformed. It's not impaired. It's not missing some of its members. Every soul of the church of God is in awe and wonder of the revelatory signs of God's glory. All of them were moved by the Holy Spirit. And what were they moved to? Peter answers them when they ask, what must we do? He says, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, all were moved by the Holy Spirit to repentance and baptism, forgiveness of sins, and the powerful indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You see, without the ministry of the Spirit, Christianity is inconceivable and impossible. Without the ministry of the Word, it's inconceivable. And impossible. We must have spirit and truth if we are to know and to grow in God. If we are to know and to grow in this blessed union for which God has revealed to us and gives us reason to celebrate. It was the late John Stott who said, There is no life without the life giver. No understanding without the spirit of truth. No fellowship without the unity of the spirit. No Christ-likeness of character apart from the fruit of the Spirit, and no effective witness without the Holy Spirit's power. You see, just as the body without breath is dead, so is the church without the Spirit. If God's church is to be alive, and it certainly is, then every member must be moved and filled with awe, cut to the heart, So that they ask that question, that most important question, what shall we do? Yes, our hearts must be so moved and set on mission by asking that question. I wonder when was the last time that we were so moved that we were able to say, Lord, what must I do? When was your heart moved? Have you forgotten your first love? Is Jesus' words to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 a word for you this morning? Do your first deeds over again because you have forgotten your first love. Is your heart moved? Look at how our Lord shows delight when we petition and we ask of Him. 
We should find encouragement in this. We should ask, what must we do? Because our Lord delights when we petition Him. Did not He wait to join those travelers in our Gospel reading for a miraculous meal only after they asked Him to stay? Did not He wait to bless Jacob only after Jacob refused to let go until he received the Lord's blessing? Does not our Lord tell us that if we knock, the door will be open? And if we ask, we will receive? Yes, our Lord is waiting for us to respond to Him. But we will never respond unless our hearts be cut and moved by the Holy Spirit and nurtured by the ministry of the, of the Word. He is waiting for us to respond. He's waiting for us to boldly approach His throne of grace with petitions and requests. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is available and ready to move our hearts. Thanks be to God. And so, are we walking in the Spirit? Are we so governed and ruled by His ministry? If we wish to be members of God's church, then we must walk in the Spirit. Whether He is leading us into the wilderness or He is leading us to promised victory, we must walk in the Spirit. Peter says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. For a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a heart. Yes, we must walk in the spirit and purify our souls. Through obedience of truth. Like our Lord, we must be led by the spirit. There are countless who have signed covenants of local church membership, but have not been sealed by the promised Spirit of God. The former means nothing if the latter is not everything. We must be sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit or else there is no promise. Unless we see the promise for which the Holy Spirit seals then we are not walking in the Spirit. See, if we are to walk in the Spirit, then we must see that promise. We must be like that early church, celebrating and rejoicing, filled with gladness and generosity, praising God. Yes, we must be sealed with the promised Spirit. So let us walk in the fruitfulness of the Spirit. Let us be moved in such a way that we are brought together, not torn apart. It's the Spirit of God that grows His church. It's not our wisdom. It's not our efforts. It's not a particular style. But it's the Spirit of God. And it's the ministry of the Word. And we would be do well to remind us of this, particularly where there's every flavor of a church in this day and age. Let us be people of the Word and people of the Spirit. 
criticism was not there at Pentecost when the church was born. And criticism is not in the fruit of the Spirit. You see, that's not what constructs. That's not what builds. No, it's the Spirit of God. It's the ministry of the Word. That's what constructs God's church. That's what grows God's church. There were 3,000 that were added to the church. And day by day, there were those who were being saved. It is because the Spirit of God was going forth and the Word of God was being manifested. Yet we are so ready to criticize more than we are ready to celebrate. I speak not in judgment. I speak as a brother of Christ who so often runs to live under the law and to live under judgment rather than to live under the grace of God that is satisfied and celebrating and rejoicing in what He is doing. Sure, we do this because we care. Think of how we treat those who are closest to us, those who we love the most. So often we criticize them. But caring is not enough, is it? That's not what's going to build God's church. No, we must be moved by the Holy Spirit so that we are joined together, not torn asunder. We read in verses 46 and 47 that the living church is united with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with each other. That's the result of the Spirit. That's the result of the Word. It's by celebrating the wonderful revelation for which the Holy Spirit and the, and the Word of God provides that the Lord grows and builds His church. Yes, we must be like Peter. We must come to a conclusion, church. We must come to a decision. You know, the Gospel has in it three things. Facts, meaning, and a decision. It's about historical events, facts. And Peter was very familiar with these historical events. He witnessed the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection and the ascension. And now we find him, as he preaches this sermon, we find him contemplating the very meaning of the Hebrew Scriptures. You see, there are the facts, and then there's the theological significance, the meaning of the Holy Scriptures. And what does he do? He quotes from Joel, and he quotes from the Psalms, and sees that these are telling of the Christ, the Lord. And we see that he comes to a conclusion. He, we should be assured that this Jesus, who was crucified, is both Lord and Christ. And that's what he says. He says God made him to be revealed as both Lord and Christ. He didn't create him to be Lord and Christ, but made him, begotten him, sent him. And he has returned to his rightful place. He has proved who he is, who his identity is, what his identity is. 
You see, the best way to know what we must do is not through Old Testament prophecies. No, those are means to help us understand. But the best way that we must know what we should do is not through the Old Testament prophecies, but the New Testament fulfillment. We must see Jesus. We must be fixated and captivated by Him as both Christ and Lord. You see, Peter bore witness, and so did the living church, the early church. So did all of those who were witnessing his words. We must respond with devotion, you see. That's what we must do. That's the practical result of the moving of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Word. It's devotion. It's union. Devotion to God and devotion to each other. You see, it's about partnering. Partnering with God, participating and sharing with God and participating and sharing with each other. And we're given four things that they are to devote, that they devoted themselves to. Four things that the early church devoted. And I submit that these are the four things that we must practice too here in this 21st century at All Saints Anglican Church. We must devote ourselves to the Holy Scriptures, the apostolic teaching. You may say, whoa, 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 not the Holy Scriptures, apostolic teaching, right? No, the apostles were preaching the Hebrew Scriptures and they were writing the Gospels and the books of the Bible. We must devote ourselves to God's Word. You see, they heard the Word of God. They were ministered by it. They were moved by the Holy Spirit and they were plunged in devotion to the Holy Scriptures. It also says they devoted themselves to the prayers. Notice there's a definite article there. The prayers. If we are to be a church that prays, then we must learn to pray, you see. And there are prayers in the Word of God. There's a whole book that is devoted to praying. Lament and praise, we call it the Psalms. And if you don't know the Psalms, you don't know the Scriptures. The Psalms are recounting the history of salvation, retelling many stories throughout the scriptures and doing it in such a way that is communing with God. And then we find Jesus himself even giving us scriptures, don't we? And so we must learn to pray or giving us prayers. We must learn to pray. We must learn to pray by meditating and contemplating on God's word, by, by prayer, praying them prayerfully, contemplatively and prayerfully. They devoted themselves to the ministry of the word and they devoted themselves to each other. You see, they devoted themselves to the Lord and they devoted themselves to each other. Fellowship. And breaking of bread. That word fellowship is a deep and a rich and a meaningful word. In fact, I will go so far to say that one of the signs that the church is drifting from believing in the gospel is that its fellowship is becoming more and more superficial. Fellowship means partnership. It means sharing 
It's not just getting a cup of coffee together. It's suffering together. It's working together. It's laboring together. It's bearing each other's burdens. It's consoling and comforting and edifying. There's a lesson to be learned from Luke's Road to Emmaus count. It's how nourishing it is to practice fellowship. How encouraging it is for us to fellowship with one another. You see, this is what God do. This is does. This is His glorious work. He joins heaven and earth. He unites us with God and with each other. And so this is the result of the move of the Spirit and the ministry of the Word. That we respond, that we do, that we act in devotion to our Lord and devotion to each other. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you with Jesus so moved by your Holy Spirit. Make us able to respond, O God. Make us able to say, what must we do? Make us able to be devoted to you, O Lord, and to each other. Join together, not torn apart. Yes, O Lord, fill us with all. Bind us together that we might have all things in common. Give us generosity to share all of our possessions and our belongings with those who are in need. Make us glad in heart. Make us generous. Help us to praise you, O Lord, as we should. O Lord, give us favor with all people. And Lord, help us to celebrate, not to criticize, but help us to rejoice. For we have reason to rejoice in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.